0: This episode of Earl Gray is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com/trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society, find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org.
1: Hi, this is Robert O'Reilly. My name is Gowron honor to you and your house you're listening to trek FM Theo
0: gray hospital Welcome to another episode of Earl Grey. I'm your host, Amy Nelson, and joined with me today are Richard and Justin. Richard, how's it going today?
1: Good. Uh, tired, but uh, good.
0: <laughs> yes, definitely. And Justin, yourself?
2: I'm doing great. I'm uh, excited to be talking about our topic today. It's uh, episodes from my favorite season of TNG.
0: Yes, definitely. And it is season five of our unsung episodes. And this series, uh, if you remember listeners, that we're working through each season and highlighting episodes that may have gotten overlooked by the big giants. And so for season five, oh my goodness, there are some giants in this season for sure. Now, before you start screaming at us, listeners, and telling us, oh, you didn't choose this one, um, I want to give you a rundown of what we consider fan favorites, and so they will not be... Be getting our vote. So, Redemption 2, Darmok, Ends in Row, Unification, Part 1 and 2, Cause and Effect, The First Duty, Iborg, The Next Phase, and The Inner Light. Phew! That's a long list of fan favorites from Season 5, wouldn't you agree?
1: Yes, quite a long list. <laughs> There's only one of them on that list that I don't agree with that's a fan favorite. But yeah, okay, yeah, (laughs) it is a long list.
0: Well, for most fans, let's we might all could agree for most fans. So with those removed, I'm very interested to see what's been chosen again. These are episodes uh, that don't get as much love and that we think you should go back for a rewatch. So, Richard, give us one of your episodes.
1: Well, um, one of my favorite episodes, uh, probably of all of TNG, is actually The Perfect Mate. Oh. I absolutely love this episode. It gives a little bit more insight on Picard, but the the real acting <laughs> comes from I, I I'm going to butcher her name, but I'm going to I'm going to try it. I think it's Femke uh, Johnson. Is it? Femke, is it? Johnson. Femke Johnson,
2: I think. There yeah. you go.
1: So, I absolutely love her in everything that she's in, especially when she was in X-Men. It was fantastic. I loved her in that. And uh, even in this episode, uh, she's just... To me, she's the perfect mate.
0: She is very beautiful and a wonderful actor.
2: Oh, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm on completely the opposite end of the spectrum with this episode. It's one of my least favorites, actually, because basically they're, they're taking this woman who's been like engineered to to be the perfect mate for whoever that that. I guess that that that's predetermined for, and that's kind of like the sum of her her life and her purpose. And the Enterprise is is um, is transporting someone for that purpose. I have quite a strong dislike of of this episode, actually.
1: Okay. Besides those, is it a good episode?
2: Well, what I would say is I think there's some great acting going on, but like the fundamental concept and that the Enterprise is kind of transporting this cargo, I mean, this woman is like cargo that's in in stasis. I mean, I just find the whole concept kind of just a terrible idea. So, aside from the basic concept of the episode, the acting is, is good, and, you know, I think they do a good job trying to sell it, but I don't buy it. <laughs> way to blow the air out. But there, I, I think there's a lot of people that think that, that think that way about this episode as well.
1: Yeah, and and, and I agree. Yeah, it, but like it. That's that was that wasn't what I was focusing on. <laughs> sure, sure.
0: Yeah, outside of the premise, I really enjoy the interplay between her and Picard. and she is. The perfect mate for Picard, which is the first time that we see Picard actually enjoying this person on an intellectual level, uh, physical level, you know, it... Because we've seen him with Vosh, and I didn't like him with Vosh. She was too opposite. And then, of course, there's, you know, Dr. Beverly Crusher, which, yes, we know there. And so this episode really brings out Picard's personal side, I think, more so than others. So.
2: Yeah, it's a good point. And this one comes about a season before Lessons, which is actually one of has one of my favorite Picard relationships with with Nella Darren. But this came before that and maybe kind of opened him up to something like that.
0: Excellent. Well, Justin, uh, give us one from your list.
2: All right. So the first one on my list is Disaster. I know that we've talked about this previously when we talked about Roe episodes, um, but I, ju- I just love the episode and how they split off different different parts of the crew, Picard's with the kids, which is really great to see them working together. Uh, Roe and O'Brien and, and Troy are on the bridge trying to figure out you know what's going on. Riker's working with Data to get to engineering. It's just great to see what happens when uh, when they don't have all of the conveniences and the things that the ship usually does for them, how they respond to it. So there's a lot of great character interplay. Um, and I just you know, love all the different aspects of, of this episode. And then there's yeah, I guess there's the part in, in Ted Forward where Worf has to has to deliver. Um, the O'Brien's baby, which is, which is great stuff. I just love all the the different parts and seeing them split apart and having to not rely on what they usually rely on and and how well they do in that situation.
0: Yeah. I was this close to choosing disaster because I, love that episode as well and we again we've talked about it before and you know it's great that troy from this point you know decides that she needs to beef up her command and and become a full-fledged officer um but i knew what do you mean, you she's already an officer it. she
1: just wasn't a commander
0: well uh, yeah that's that's true that's what i meant but I knew Justin that you would pick this one. So I decided to leave it off my list. I'm getting to know you. There's a lot
2: of that going on. You're like, Justin's going to choose this. And so I'm not going to choose it. All right.
0: Oh.
2: And maybe I'll change it up and not choose something. Expect
0: sometime. There you go. <laughs> so
2: yeah,
1: I'm the opposite on this one on you. And I'm not trying to be because of the, yeah, uh, programmate. mate. Uh, but like, um, this episode, if they deleted the Picard part portion and also the Riker portion, it would be a great episode. Uh, uh, I, I I just I didn't like it. I that, that those portions of the episode that is, um, obviously, uh, Worf delivering it's hilarious because <laughs> it, it's it's so blunt and you know he's like, re- like like he's reading a text or something like yeah, that. You may now <laughs> give birth. <laughs> It's like yeah, trying to yeah, <laughs> but like yeah, I, I don't know, and um, the 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 one thing I really like about it is that, yeah, this was probably a great stepping point to i guess be uh, be a more confident officer for Troy, but obviously a missed opportunity and i I mean I've said that the on the last one, and I really think that they really dropped the ball, but I mean this this would have been perfect to start off uh, start her off, but they didn't so. But otherwise, yeah. It's it's a it's a good episode.
2: <laughs> That's all right. If we agreed on everything, there wouldn't be much to say, right? This would be exactly. a boring podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and on this day, <laughs> Anyway.
0: <laughs> okay, so I chose, interestingly enough, I again, I tried to find an episode that I enjoy um, that most people don't, and that would be Masterpiece Society. And um, this is the one where there's a. <coughs> star fragment coming towards this planet that they didn't know there was um colonists on and they this colonists they engineered themselves to be this perfect type of people and um i like this episode number one because these people uh, are in so they're they're in awe of this transporter beam that gets them through this big dome or something, I'm assuming, that's protecting them. And they're very confident that, well, if something hits the planet, their structure is going to withhold them. And they're like, no, that's not going to be the case. You are going to die. We need to evacuate you. And they're like, well, this is our choice. We want to stay here. There's got to be something we can do. And... Um, What I like about it is that you, because they're engineered, Again, we see this, and we've seen it before in previous episodes, where they're very in awe of Geordi's visor because Geordi wouldn't be alive in their society because he was blind by, at birth, and so he wouldn't have even been allowed past the embryo stage, they mention. And so I really like the point where when they figure out that Geordi's uh, visor is going to actually come up with this multiphasic tractor beam to push it away and how ironic that is that here this visor and technology is going to save their world even though they don't approve or would have allowed someone with a disability in their world. So I really like that dichotomy between the two there. What what do you guys think of Masterpiece Society?
2: I actually had this as one of my honorable mentions. I, I do like the episode. And another reason that I, that I like it is, like in a previous episode like Pen Pals, which I actually really like, um, there's this, this problem on the planet and the Enterprise, you know, the engineers figure out something, one shot, everything's good, and, and they can, you know, wipe uh, the, the child's memory and, and not really disturb what's going on otherwise. But in this episode, in the Masterpiece Society, Um, They find that there's an issue. They try one thing. It doesn't work. You know, they try another thing. It doesn't work. Finally, they do find something that works because of Geordi's visor. But at the same time, um, there are, you know, a group of people that because of their interaction with with uh, the Enterprise wants to leave the colony. So it's going to upset a certain balance that they have and change their society forever. So it actually really illustrates some of the um, the disadvantages or, or possible issues with, uh, with, you know, intervening in another society's development. So I think there's a lot of, of good stuff going on. I'm surprised, Amy, you didn't say that you liked, uh, you know, some of the love story with Troy. I don't know. Maybe well, not. yes,
0: that's, yeah. I still have more notes we can talk about okay. it a little longer, but yeah, Troy and, uh, uh, Ke- uh, Connor, it's not, Connor. Yeah. I was like, canon. That's not right. Yeah. (laughs) Connor. Uh, yeah, she's, uh, being quite flirtatious. That's always good to see. Um, but it's interesting because Picard is so against the idea of this society and having, you know, engineered that you're breeding these traits and, you know, so, oh, well, you know, Connor is a good diplomat. Well, he was bred to be that way. And, and Picard is just so against it. And it's like, you're taking away what makes humanity that unknown principle. And, and so again, I, it's funny because you have the next gen, which is this utopian society, having a show about another utopian society and how they're criticizing it. So I sort of find that interplay interesting as well.
2: What'd you think, Richard? I hate this episode
1: <laughs> <laughs> of course you do uh, you know it's and it makes me even more angry uh thinking about it because of what happened in england not too long ago with that with that child that unfortunately was basically sentenced to death. Um, even though I, I, I just, I, I can't fathom it. I don't understand why, why court has that kind of power over, um, over a child's life that could pass, could have not saying there was, I mean, it was a, some, it was a, a million to one chance, uh, that the child could have, but we could have learned from the disease and, and, and the disorder. Um, this to me, Um, watching this episode or at least remembering this episode is a punch at socialistic uh, socialistic society or socialist society there you go (laughs) because i mean you know i believe as utopian society to a certain extent um i don't believe in the full socialistic or socialism i think it's very uh uh dangerous uh, of a society now granted uh, you know this this kind of to me this kind of pokes fun at it uh at the at actually star trek is what is how i'm seeing it and uh mainly because you know oh well you know everyone's got function we don't really see the rest of society in uh in starfleet as well as on earth as well yeah apparently everyone's you know hunky-dory you know everyone's all happy and everything but what else but there's got to be someone that's um I guess um, not a part of the 1%. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. It's just this this uh, episode actually irks me a lot because I just, yeah...
0: Well, and they do come at it from a perspective this society does that, you know, if you have a disability, then that equals suffering. And I think there's a good conversation to have there that no, I mean, that is one way to look at it, but, you know, talk to anyone. And I think we all have some type of disability, uh, different degrees, but it, it doesn't always have to equal suffering and so to come at it from this assumption that if you have a disability then you're suffering so we're going to terminate even before birth uh you're right it is very dangerous and an interesting discussion to have that i think star trek does well in general
1: you know honestly i don't believe that either I actually don't believe that Star Trek uh, addresses that uh, very much because I really think that Star Trek, um, it it likes reflecting on other societies versus our own. And um, to me, I don't believe that, I, I guess addressing our own evils i mean i think enterprise was the was the was the only one that really really uh, addressed uh, something like that um and that's part of the reason why i absolutely love enterprise i mean okay tng we've gotten over our own uh you know i guess demons but they're all still there you can never completely evaporate it and um i i, I don't know i i just so you don't
2: this could this could lead to quite a long conversation but but like when, you, when you're saying that that Enterprise addresses you know our, our own evils, I think that um, DS9 does that a lot as well. You don't. Yeah. DS9 does yes. You I okay. agree. No, I totally agree. No, yeah. I, I just think that it was Enterprise was more,
1: it, it was more current. I don't think DS9 was completely always there, but you always saw an element of that because I mean in a sense we were primal in our in our um, you know voyages into space that, um, that really you know. Um, we we didn't fully master it like we like we kind of do in ds9 but not really at the same time because obviously given a situation certain situation that primal need or whatever 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 you want to call it uh you know it comes out and i guess gets the best of you i guess so i don't know All
0: right, you guys. Well, if you want to go over to Warp 5 and the Orb, you just (laughs) go right ahead. But let me tell you my perspective on this. And I think what it does, what Star Trek does, and so I'm going to disagree with you, Richard, is that it talks about humanity through different cultures and is assuming that the audience is smart enough to make those connections so if they're talking about it with a different culture then it's actually talking about our culture and I think through the... uh, inception of Star Trek with Gene Roddenberry. I mean, he's telling stories that the original series and the next gen and throughout all the series that address our culture on earth through just the medium happens to be alien species and different races, but they really are discussions on our status. Okay. So, uh, moving on Richard, give us, uh, your second pick for season five.
1: So anytime I think of TNG, and it doesn't even matter—it's not the Borg, it's not uh, the—it's not unification or redemption or Klingons or anything like that. Every time I think of TNG, or anyone that thinks of TNG, or or discusses it, starts to discuss it, I always think of the game. Every single time. I don't know why. <laughs> it's not a really good episode, but I mean, at the same time, I always think of it because it's like a, it's like, you know, I mean, obviously the science part of it is very interesting, but the reality is is that it's it's more of it's more of a it's more of a uh, comedy episode, or at least to me it is. It's a comedy episode,
2: and it's the only one I think of when I, or it's the first one I think of, not the only one. Well, that's interesting. Actually, that that was uh, one of my. Honorable, other honorable mentions of case something gets gets uh, mentioned but I actually like the episode quite a bit and I think as people have commented recently it was kind of ahead of its time and talking about this addictive game that kind of takes over people's lives and attention you know doing that in the, the the 90s and not really seeing the seeds of that until until more recently in a social media age but I think it's it's a great kind of story where it's one of the few times on the next generation where you see people doing things for entertainment and it's not on a holodeck it's just like part of a personal device and I think that's really cool and if we were in the 24th century people would be doing whatever the extension is that that we do you know now for for you know smartphones or other you know types of entertainment that that people get so i i just like seeing it through that that lens and i enjoy the episode a lot and and um you know how the whole conspiracy goes through
1: yeah yeah it, it, it totally uh, especially when it comes to like yeah like you said you know cell phones video games i mean shoot i'm i'm, I'm having dinner with my brother and he's playing with a fidget spinner or something like that
0: mm-hmm. exactly <laughs> Yeah, we did cover this on Earl Grey 174, so we have <clears throat> definitely talked about the game. And, and I enjoy uh, this episode as well, definitely with Robin Leffler. Yeah, we've got to Chris's say Chris favorite. loves
2: this episode, Robin Leffler.
0: <laughs> All right, well, Justin, give us another one.
2: Okay, second episode that I had on my list. It's another one we talked about in our Ensign Row um, episode, but I do like it a lot, and it's Power Play which is the episode where they visit a planet and there's some alien beings that end up possessing Troy O'Brien and, and Data. I, I like the whole idea of, of, you know, that there are these beings that are kind of imprisoned on this planet and they're trying to get off and they're trying to take over the ship. And it also gives... You know, some of the, 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 the actors who are playing Troy O'Brien and Data, some different kinds of things to do. It's very much out of character for them. I just enjoy the, the whole thing all, all the way through. Plus, as I mentioned in our Ensign Roe episode, we get to see Roe at Tactical being awesome at so many different things. <laughs> (laughs) So
0: yes, Power Play was my honorable mention. And I, again, thought that you might choose that. Um, Wow, two out of two. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I liked it again because... We're very used to Brent Spiner playing different characters, but we get to now have uh, Marina Certis and uh, Cole Meany get to do this as well. And it's so fun to see them portray different characters than their normal O'Brien and Troy. So I really enjoy it for that. And it is a strong Troy episode. And when doing my research for this, um, David Livingston was the director and he gave them some names for their characters. I don't know if you had seen this before. I don't know if
2: I'd read about that.
0: So their um, alternate ego names, uh, Troy was Slash, Data was Buzz, and O'Brien was Slugger. So when they were referring to them in their uh, penal colony alter egos, then they would call them Slash, Buzz, and Slugger. And I thought that was pretty interesting. That's very
2: cool. keeps it straight.
0: (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah because exactly. the,
2: in the episode there is this thing where they're you know supposed to be from this old ship from the 22nd century but they're actually these other beings so yeah I guess that helped to them to keep it what was going on straight well, that's cool
0: Richard did you like power play
2: Oh yeah I definitely did um I was
1: just trying to remember what I said last time, <laughs> uh, but like, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was a good episode. Uh, I, you know, obviously, uh, we get to see uh, a different range of uh, acting from them, and it's uh, it's a very uh, very good int- uh, episode. Even though we barely see Ensign Rowe, but um, you know, we see her just enough. But like, uh, the real stars are Data, Troy, and um O'Brien thank you <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I, was, I was like oh, no, 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 no. I'm, I was drawing a blank
0: <laughs> yeah and when they're down on the, I think I mentioned this during that Encinero thing of course I would be talking about Troy but um, when they were down on the planet the first time and then these entities take control over them and they're thrown back um, Marina Surtees was the only one who did her own stunt and when she fell back she actually broke I can't even pronounce what she broke, but she got injured from she that. broke a
2: bone, didn't she? Or yeah. Yeah. I bet that was the last time she did her own stunts.
0: Exactly. <laughs> and that when they were down there She didn't
2: the, fall right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> she fell too realistically. I mean, yeah. let's be honest. Funny thing that Riker was the one that was portrayed as broken something, broken a bone, and so that's why the alien didn't invade him so um but also i mean troy had marina had a difficult time with this so she yeah got injured on that fall and then when they were laying down on the the dust they were on a different stage and then all this dust and stuff and they, she had to redo her makeup because it got in her eyes and everything so it's a difficult episode for her to shoot <laughs> so props to her for finishing strong
1: now that makes you want to look up what uh, what she actually
2: I I was going to look for for that, too. But um, it's probably a tailbone. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Coccyx bone, which I guess is like your toward your lower back. Isn't that isn't that literally your tailbone? I think it's like a tailbone. Yeah. She must have fallen her tailbone. Oops.
0: Yeah. Thanks for (laughs) pronouncing it because I I knew it. I just didn't dare pronounce it (laughs) it, and it says
2: here that that um, you know in in the scene you could barely even see her face so she she reflected afterward like oh I didn't even need to do that and I broke a bone (laughs) yeah that's tough but I mean if I hadn't read that I wouldn't have known because you know she throughout I mean there must have been some time that she had to heal or whatever but um, you can't tell that there's any problem because she's she's doing the part so strongly it's not like it's not like they're sitting down all the time, so I think she was fine. That's true. Yeah, if I think about the episode, she's mostly like standing up, moving around, doing stuff at displays. That's true. She wasn't sitting down really.
0: So okay, well, my second choice is Silicon Avatar. So first. So let me tell you about the episode. This is the one with the crystalline entity and they're going down to this planet, the colony pioneers are going to, you know, get on this planet and the crystalline entity comes. They run into this cavern to get saved and then the, there's a person who has been researching the crystalline entity who was on uh, uh Omnicron Theta.
2: Omicron Theta, I think. Is, yeah. yeah.
0: And so um, it goes through her. And so she doesn't trust data because Laura was the one who brought it originally. And so my first question before I go on why I like it. Do you know why it's called Silicon Avatar? To me, when I read that name, it has nothing to do with the episode. But maybe I'm missing something.
2: Mm, it, it's a good question. I mean... I don't.
0: Is I it don't, referring to data? Like,
2: um, well, you know, when, when I saw that, I thought, you know, is it a silicon based life form like you see a few times in Star Trek? But I don't think there's anything. I'm going to have to look that up because I'm not sure why it's called that.
0: Yeah, I don't know either. But so without that, um, why I really like it, um, well, first of all, at the beginning, Riker's got some game, you know with the uh, person there down there he's so you don't mind that if moves. it's a one
2: one episode thing huh
0: exactly <laughs> yep one episode's just fine you know he's gonna bring the wine and dessert's his favorite i was like "Ooh, you go um but i like i really i was so sorry and i just watched it um the the research the one whose kid died on omicron Theta, the old lady who's doing the research Anyways, so she does is very resistant to data and just oh, from is the get go. Okay, I
2: think I'm looking it up. Doctor Kilamar, uh, yeah, Kilamar. I don't I yeah. haven't seen and it so for a while. So she
0: immediately. <laughs> (laughs) Does not like data, distrusts him, doesn't want to work with him, and even tells Picard, I like to choose my own team and don't assign data to my team. And um, so what was interesting and what made it personal to me is that, as you know, I'm a school teacher, and I get siblings quite a bit of time. And so what the doctor does is she's judging data based on lore. And unfortunately, that is a situation that I've come across as I've been teaching for so many years and I recognize the last name. Oh, are you so-and-so's brother, sister? Oh yeah, I did it. And then I just assume, and I know I shouldn't, so I do apologize, um, you know, how they're going to act, how they're going to behave, and that can be very dangerous as we see here. So that personal note of judging someone based on siblings uh, is very, makes a strong connection to me. So I, I chose it for that. Another reason I chose this episode is because it talks about, there's some math in here, um, when they're analyzing the readings after the silicon avatar or the crystalline entity came, um, they were analyzing it and then it was suggested that they do run a logarithmic scale, which is very interesting because when you're running, sorry, we're gonna go into a little math lesson here, but when you're looking at data points in the scatter plot, oh, if Richard, it come on, you
2: got to listen to this. Oh, <laughs> He's Richard took away. off his earphones. He's not even going to listen. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Go ahead.
0: So that when you're looking at a bunch of data points and you're trying to find a regression or a line of best fit, it's not always going to be linear. And when a linear doesn't work, then that your next choice and which will be more accurate than actually linear is is to run a logarithm regression on that and so i just really peaked up perked up when i heard that and was like yep that's the next step to do after doing a regular linear regression you go to logarithmic regression so i appreciated the the accurate math in that episode as well
2: it's it's an episode i think there's some good stuff in this episode but funny enough I was talking about it with Zach Moore on a Standard Orbit episode recently when we took a little tangent into TNG. I'm just kind of like, it's okay, but I'm not really enthusiastic about it. I didn't feel any need to bring the crystalline entity back. And I don't know, for some reason it doesn't, doesn't connect with me. It's not one of my favorites, but it's not something where I'm like, I hate that. I never want to watch that. I watch it and I'm like, yeah, there's some good stuff, but I'm just kind of neutral about it. I don't know why.
0: Huh. I really like it. I like Picard's stance also on the crystalline entity that it's like, you know, she uh, is wanting to destroy. destroy the crystalline entity and you get that sort of revenge story theme coming back up again that she wants it gone for what it did at Omicron Theta Um, and Picard's like it's just feeding it may not have evil intentions and so you're jumping the conclusion because you have not communicated with it or in any way shape or form tried you just want to destroy it because it destroyed you know your life basically and so taking that stance I Appreciated that different perspective as I, well.
2: I, I like Picard's stance, and I like the episodes where Picard is taking this stance, like we need to understand this life form and not just by reflex kill it. But I, I guess I get really disappointed that she does find a way to destroy the thing, and and uh, I, I just don't like seeing that it's almost like painful to, to see that maybe that's part of it i don't know what do you think about silicon avatar richard
1: um it's not my favorite uh i i i i mean i i recognize it and and whatnot and you know obviously it's a it's a it's a big deal in star trek online <laughs> <Does> <laughs> to beat that thing anyway <laughs> but like that's star trek online <laughs> but like um yeah, I, I, it's it's a decent episode. I mean, I, I, I don't t- typically, um, you know, uh, th- think of it as a favorite, or at least to me it isn't. Um, but yeah, it's a decent episode. I mean, I, um, I was actually just reading a uh, a blog about uh about the name of it, and I guess another uh, definition would be repository of uh, knowledge for data silicon circuitry. Oh, okay.
0: Oh. That makes sense.
1: There, there are several other um, people that are that have chimed in too but that one seems to be more makes sense, considering that, um, yeah, he uh, he had all the uh, what was it, all the journals and letters and all that, right? Journals and memories. So it was more about data in her versus, you know, I I I, probably the I entity was more of a plant, was a um, you know B plot just to get you know the enterprise in um, and also her together,
2: so. But yeah. Oh, cool! Now that makes more sense.
0: So let's go to our third picks if we haven't already chosen them. So Richard, give us uh, your third pick.
1: Uh, one of my favorites because uh, it's a it's a mystery sort of episode, and that would be Conundrum. I like this episode. It's it's a uh, obviously it resets everything, and no one knows um, what's going on. Or at least, or, well, they they have their primary skills, but when it comes to like I guess memory or uh is is all gone and you know, also the famous, you know, Roe and Riker relationship. <clears throat>
0: Don't get me started again.
1: Uh. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. <laughs> but like, it's, it's very interesting. It, it's, I mean, uh, th- I mean, obviously if you're, if you're, if you've been watching the show since season one and then keep on until this episode, you're, uh, you know, I can't help but like, this is your job. This is what you do. It's not her. It's not this, you know, it's, it's just, it's just, it's his ideas. And, uh, thoughts going in my head. It's like, no, don't do that. That's not you. (laughs) But, uh, it's a great episode. I love it for mainly the mystery and, um, them trying to figure
2: it out. Yeah. I, there's a lot that I like about that episode, but I, one of the things I really don't like is that, you know, the, the crew has lost their memories. They don't quite know what's going on, but, like, as an audience member, you see this guy, McDuff, that you've never, ever seen before, and you know immediately that there's something wrong with that. I wish they would have done it in a different way so that maybe it was a shape-shifting life form that would have taken over someone who you already knew on the crew or something else. So, but, like, that always bothers me when I watch it. I'm like, I know, like even the first time, like, I know there's something wrong with this guy, and it just kind of ruins some of the mystery and suspense for me.
0: Really, because yes. I think that McDuff really fits in, and I just—you see extras all the time, and yeah, he does have a more prominent role. But I was like, it's just some yeah, extra guy. But he's guy. like a,
2: hes like a commander on the bridge. I mean, who I do you know, see as a commander except Riker? So I, I, that's just me personally.
0: Well, I saw when you said conundrum, I'm like. I've looked over this list many times in preparation for this recording. I didn't even know Conundrum was on this. So it obviously still is blocked in my mind. I'm like, this isn't even a season five. And yep, I went and verified it is a season five. And I've looked over that list and just ignore it because that's how much I don't like that part of it. Therefore, I do not even put that on my list at all. Not even in my radar.
2: I'm sorry. If it were possible for Dr. Crusher to isolate those memories of Roe and Riker and remove them forever, would you do it?
0: That would be that would make the episode so much more palatable <laughs> for me.
2: Okay.
1: Didn't we discuss that, or was that just you and me, uh, Justin, that we discussed uh, No, the it, was the th- it was the yep. three it was the three of, all us. three of us. Yeah, oh,
0: okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was during our ensign row. Very memorable. <laughs> see. It was oh.
1: very memorable.
0: Memories. Memories. <laughs> All right. So, very good. Well, my third... Uh, unsung episode for season five is The Cost of Living. And I'm probably going to get a lot of flack for this one because I don't think a lot of fans enjoy this. But I wanted to mention it because <clears throat> it has a lot of good themes in it. And this is the one where um, Luoxana comes on board and she's going to get married to this guy she's never met. Um, that's a whole nother story we might get into. But and then Worf and Alexander are having issues. And so it's this whole um, theme of getting along with your parents and difficult parents. And so you have that Lwaxana Troy and Data Alexander So it's that type of episode, and the what I really enjoy that it does in this episode is that it tries to put in this balance of you have your work, your honor, these rules and duty that you have to be as an adult, and then you have Luoxana teaching Alexander how to play and enjoy and to to live life in the moment, and so that sometimes definitely I need to reflect on in my life and make sure that I'm having fun. while still performing and keeping up with all of my responsibilities, so what do you guys think of the cost of living?
2: Well, there are definitely some elements that I like. I actually really like the the Loxana Alexander parts where they're trying to kind of enjoy things, and there's this kind of silly holodeck program. But I actually enjoy kind of that aspect of it. I think why a lot of people don't like it and one thing that bothers me as well is the mud bath you have you know Loxana and and Worf and Alexander in this in this mud bath and it just something about it seems really inappropriate um, and also Worf looks like he's the unhappiest he's been in his entire existence I mean he hates being in there and absolutely
0: I, I but love he it. Needs you would think it's learn. mud
2: it's mud so it's dirty <laughs> <laughs> I know, but that, that look on his face, it's like, oh, I hate this. Um, anyway, go ahead. No, you,
1: you know, actually... Uh, uh, so I like to uh, comment with memes all the time, but like uh, that face that he gives and it says Worf does not approve. I put underneath it and that's what I always, if I dislike someone's comment or whatever, that's what I always put and it's that exact face where he's like, where he's got that frown.
2: But my, Michael Dorn is doing this through all these, this prosthetic makeup and he has such great expressions all the time. I, I do love that, but man, it, he, he's just so unhappy and you know, being together in this mud bath, it looks like they... They don't have, they're like completely naked and I don't know. It just, there's something and Alexander is this kid. It just seems so inappropriate and unnecessary. It just kind of ruins it for me. And I think for a lot of other people also.
0: So you're not a fan of the mud baths. I guess you don't no, watch just, suits then. <laughs> Louis Litt's always mud bathing. <laughs> anyway. No, I haven't um, watched that. <laughs> yeah. So I, I like that. Um, and, um, When Luwaxana comes on board, just sort of a side note, sometimes parents can be so difficult. And here, Luwaxana is saying she's going to get married. She's never met this person. um, And all of these red flags, and Deanna's bringing them up. And, oh, don't worry, little one, and da-da-da. So I just personally am going through this right now. Uh, with my father. And so I definitely can relate. I won't go into too much detail, but my father has left and now is in China because he thinks he loves someone and they're going to supposedly get married. And I'm throwing up all these red flags. I'm being Deanna Troy here. Well, does she speak English? No. It's so infuriating. Sometimes parents... Uh, Anyways, I digress. Tangent. Sorry, too much information. But it definitely spoke to me at this time in my life with crazy parents.
2: Okay. Yeah, I can see that.
1: It reminds me of my
2: mom.
0: (laughs) Oh, so I'm not the only one. Okay. Well, Justin, give us your third pick for season five.
2: Okay. My third pick is A Matter of Time. It's the one where uh, Rasmussen comes to the Enterprise, claims he's from the future, but he's really not, I don't know quite what it is that I like about this episode, but I always really enjoy it because he's this kind of like slippery figure and, and, and they, you know, at first are going along with it and can't quite figure things out um and then you know there's a little prime directive story within it that's 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 kind of um very interesting as well where there's the fate of this planet that's in in the balance but you know the whole time they're keeping tabs on him and have this confrontation at the end and and he's he's stranded in in uh, the 24th century and you find out he's from an earlier time i just kind of uh am interested by that idea of someone claiming their you know, from a, a future they haven't seen to visit their own future with just the knowledge they have in the past to make some profit from. There's just something about it that, that appeals to me and it's a very different kind of story. I'm also you know fascinated that the first person they were thinking for the role was Robin Williams. And I wonder, would that have been hilarious or would he have been a huge distraction? But he, I think he wanted to do it because Robin Williams was a Star Trek fan, but he had to do, I think it was hook at the time. So he, he had to decline, but I think that the, the, the actor who does it, I think it's Matt Frewer. He, I think he does a great job, but I always think when I'm watching it, like what would Robin Williams have been like, would it have been hilarious or would it have been like, Oh my God, stop. You're overshadowing our characters. I think Matt
1: Fuhrer was perfect in this. And, um, it, and yeah, I think when I, when I knew that, uh, Robin Williams was actually, uh, uh possibly going to be in this episode or at least after the fact, obviously. Um, I, I would, I, I, I think he would have distracted the whole entire episode considering how flamboyant his his his, uh, his personality is and it's just like whoo
2: but you know what <laughs> they should have had Robin Williams in the outrageous as as the comedian instead of Joe P- no no disrespect to Joe Piscopo but I think that Robin Williams would have been much funnier in that particular role and it would have fit because it was that part of the episode to teach data about humor and not like the, the overarching guest character. I think about that too. Like Robin Williams would have been amazing in that one. If he brought Agreed. it down a couple notches. Yes. I don't think he would have to, because like, I think Robin Williams was, you know, one of the, the funniest people who, whoever did comedy. And, and if, if he were in that teaching data, what's really funny, That would have been that would have been great. But they went more a little bit more toward a a cornier kind of of humor, which was unfortunate. But
0: yeah, but Robin Williams can do corny, too. So I agree with you completely on that, that he would have been better for that. And yeah, I like uh, Matt for Max Headroom. I mean, I remember seeing that. I was like, oh, my gosh, because Max Headroom was on TV same time era, right?
2: I yes. think a little bit earlier in the 80s. Yeah, it was right? a little bit earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. But, yeah, but but around the same time. Yeah, I was like, oh my time. gosh,
0: I know this guy, and here he is on Star Trek. That was really cool for me. I liked that part.
1: So every time I see him, one of my favorite movies from my childhood is uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Okay. <laughs> so I absolutely I I I, I see him as uh, as Big Russ, obviously. So it's yeah, it, he's this 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 episode is just absolutely great i I absolutely i mean it's one of it was actually on my honorable mention um i didn't think any of you were to actually actually uh pick it uh, to be quite honest um but like this guy this guy is great i I absolutely love him and every time i talk about fishing i always reference this guy
2: are we actually all three of us agreeing that we like the same episode yeah i think so yeah i think he played it perfectly
0: yeah i like it it's not on my list though okay
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, but you don't, like, hate it.
0: <laughs> no. It's it. hard-pressed to She see didn't know me. it
2: was on this
1: season. <laughs> no,
0: I did, and I was this close to choosing it again, but I was like, no, it's not really speaking to me right now, so I decided to skip over it. But I did, you know, preview it and was like, oh, yeah, that's good, but it's not fun unsung for me so well that's quite the list um season five is great now were did we cover everything richard was there anything on your honorable mentions that we didn't cover
1: no no
2: everything was covered i mean covered triple covered yeah i (laughs) I have i have one that wasn't Yeah. yeah which one Um, it's the episode ethics. Uh, this is the one where, yeah, where Worf gets, gets injured. Um, and it seems like he might not be able to walk again. And he asks Riker to, to help him with this, this Klingon ritual to, to commit suicide and Riker refused. Anyway, there's this whole thing and there's this experimental procedure that helps in the end. But I just like, the the considerations that happen within the episode and thinking about about Klingon culture where, you know, if if you have a serious disability like that, they think that you're useless and need to die. Um, and, you know, in the, the, the Federation uh, culture things are, are are quite different, I think, and people can have value in a lot of, of different different roles. So I think it brings up a lot of interesting questions. And then also, you know, there's this uh, doctor, I guess, that, that comes on board and has this experimental procedure and is willing to risk Worf's life for something that has a small chance of, of succeeding and Crusher is completely against it. And, you know, the ethical considerations, I mean, the name of the episode, Ethics, is perfect because there's two different really um, thought-provoking ethical conundrums that are going on within the episode. So I, I like this one uh, quite a bit.
0: Yeah, this was... Um One of my honorable mentions, so thank you for bringing that up. And again, I saw those themes, and that was very powerful. And I love a couple of clips from that, like when Troy is talking to Worf, and just like, she's basically giving him this, you are being wallowing in self-pity, and you're being selfish, and your son Alexander wants to see you, and, you know, stop thinking about yourself, and just sort of doing a great job counseling Worf there. Um, One other thing that I like is the friendship between Worf and Riker and how he does go to Riker and Riker is definitely against it and feels that life needs to be valued no matter if you're paralyzed or, or not. And then he takes it to Picard and Picard just points out, you know, being a friend to a Klingon is has a lot of meaning and he wouldn't have asked you if he didn't think that you were his true friend. And that just really stuck to me. And it's like, what, what does a true friend mean? And I really, that to me solidifies the Wharf and Riker friendship, just very much so.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I also think you know, Riker is the one that had the experience serving aboard the Klingon ship in a matter of honor in in season two, so he knows maybe with a bit more firsthand experience serving on on a ship what that's like. I mean, Picard, let's see, he's been to to, to Kronos and in front of the High Council and all that, but like the the kind of everyday interplay. Riker's been a part of that for, for a short time and can understand that more. But but he's going to tell him as his friend, like, for me personally, I can't do this. So you'll have to have someone else do it. And he has him kind of face up to the dilemma by saying, well, you need to have Alexander do it. And he's like, I can't do that. And he's really facing up to, to what that that means. So I think it's a, it's a really great episode all around that tends, I think, not to be
0: talked about enough. Agreed. Agreed. Well... Um, Just one more real quick mention, uh, honorable mention, is The Outcast. Um, That is also with Season 5. We did cover this on Earl Grey 165, so if you want to go back and listen to that, um, we covered that. But I just thought it was worth a mention uh, because it is a very good episode and, again, brings up a lot of uh, topics there. So we've gone through and had some amazing episodes that we've looked at. And so what is your overall view of season five? How do you feel about it, Justin?
2: Well, I think, as I mentioned toward the beginning, season five is my favorite season of, of TNG. A lot of it is because of the ones we excluded, like Redemption and Darmok and Ensign row and Unification, Cause and Effect. I mean, the list goes on. There's, there's a lot of really kind of strong and powerful and different kinds of, of episodes, like something like Darmok and, and Iborg and the inner light, I think in particular, well, and also cause and effect are doing something different than you've seen in TNG or, or maybe in other parts of, of Star Trek before. So they're very distinctive, very memorable. And even as we were going through, you know, some of these episodes that, that are, that are unsung there, I think there's a lot of, of great episodes that we talked about. Of course, we had varying opinions on them and, you know, there were some that that I really could take or leave or I don't like, but it's a fewer number of episodes that I don't enjoy or want to skip in season five than any other season of TNG. I think it's it's a really, really strong season.
1: Yeah, I agree with Justin. Uh, for sure, this is one of the best, but I'm really excited for six and seven.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I was telling uh, the guys there before we started just how I really enjoyed doing these series because I'm getting to look at the episodes and figure out, well, these are the fans most favorite and so then what's left over and yeah doing this for season 5 that extensive list that we had to leave out because they're so good and just looking at the entire season overall I'm just like man my list I had so many that I wanted to highlight and talk about and so that just is credit to this season and as of right now season 5 is is very strong for me yeah looking forward to season 6 to see how that plays how that compares to what i feel about season five so very excited for that well it's been fun going over unsung episodes from season five of the next generation but that isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network here's what you might have missed elsewhere on trek fm
2: previously on trek.fm standard orbit Well, I I think everything comes back to the naked time for him, and he just can't get away from swords. Running around with a through. sword. He's just running around with a sword. So maybe it was this episode that started that whole thing, but man, yeah, he's... <laughs> it's kind of an odd thing <laughs> that he's, he's defined by a sword in his hand you know the 602 club
0: i honestly was thrilled with the way that they set it up because like you said sort of like uh, russian dolls i guess um is a good way to explain it you introduce one character in this existing show and then it leads to that character's own show which leads to the next one's own show
2: continuing mission
1: One of the things I noticed about the film is the lighting. It's spot on. It, it looks so natural. And, uh, you, you obviously have experience in that, but, uh, you really did a good job there.
2: Well, thank you. Thank you very much. It's very kind of you to say. Yeah, we, you know, we, we did our best with it. It's, you know, I'd like to take full credit, but it's probably just as much a fluke and and good fortune as it is skill. You know, we, we, we did our best. We, we've got some, um, you some sort of prosumer kit that we were using it was nothing super fancy but it um, it wasn't sort of tabletop desk lamps either you know uh, and yeah um, you know that's one good thing about you know shooting outside i mean there's pros and cons to that of course you know one of the pros is you don't have to build any sets and introducing the edge a star trek discovery podcast But if I ended up missing an episode, I would record 45 minutes of blank space on my
1: VHS tape, and then I would wait until it came around, and then I would put the episode in its proper
2: order. This explains so much. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out all these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and written review. If you're not an Apple user, and you should be, we got you
1: covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, windows phone in most third uh, party uh, apps and you can stream and download the mp3 file from your uh, from our website or grab the rss link
0: We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there's many ways for you to do that. The best place is for you to join the larger conversation in the Babel Conference. That's our listeners group on Facebook, and we all love the Babel Conference. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it should come right up.
2: If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm slash contact. Choose to send to a show and select Earl Grey. That will come right to us. You can also find the network on Twitter at Trek FM and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Trek FM. So, Amy, where can people contact you on the Internet?
0: Well, you can, as I said, find me in the Babel Conference. I am also on Twitter at Miss Amy Nelson and you can also find me on The Edge which is Trek FM's podcast for the new Star Trek Discovery show. Richard, where can people talk to you?
1: Well, they can all f- also find me on the Babel conference, pop in here and there,
2: and I am also on Twitter at X Ransom. How about you, Justin? Well, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at TrekFan4747, where I tweet about nothing but Star Trek. And I'm currently tweeting out my TNG Season 3 rewatch. And you can also find me hanging around the Babel Conference on Facebook.
0: If you'd like to keep all of our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com trekfm. That's patreo dot trekfm. To get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, you get exclusive content, producer credits, and more available through our patrons' website, Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope that you'll join the team. Again, you can find the details at patreon.com/slash trekfm. And at this time, we'd like to thank our associate producers justin ozer and michael huter thank you so much for supporting earl gray so richard why don't you tell us about a special giveaway that we're offering
1: well amy uh this is just for all uk listeners um give us a star um, rating and a review in apple itunes and lee will be donating a fantastic book it's called Trekonomics I recommend it Justin recommends it it's a fantastic book and soon Amy will recommend it because she's going to read it sometime soon yes I will yeah exactly so uh, definitely you guys should uh, uh, give us that rating Um, a random drawing will happen in September and we'll let you know then so um, but we'd like to uh, read your comments and it helps others to find our podcast when they're searching for it
0: so join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey.
2: Worf disapproves. (laughs) Make it so.
0: Great joy and gratitude.